0: to a Hope 1032 podcast We've been exploring Colossians 4 verse 6 and 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Both of these New Testament texts urge believers to be prepared to give an answer for the faith in daily conversation. Speaking about Christ is not just the business of pastors and evangelists. it's the privilege and duty of every Christian. But what's fascinating to me, is that in both passages, the emphasis falls not on the content of our replies, which I guess is going to depend on the particular question or comment we're responding to, but on the manner of our reply. Both apostles are very concerned with how we give our answers to our neighbours. In Colossians 4, verse 6, Paul insists that our speech be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, Now, the first expression, full of grace, doesn't mean brimming with the doctrine of grace. That would be to stretch Paul's words too far. It simply means that the generosity of God, his grace in other words, must shape the character of our conversation. We are to speak graciously. Some have taken the second phrase, seasoned with salt, to mean spicy or interesting speech. In addition to being gracious, then, we would have to be intriguing or captivating. I think this is mistaken. It's very unlikely Paul would call upon all his readers to display what basically amounts to a personality trait. I mean, all of us can be gracious, yes, but how many of us can actually be interesting? In any case, there's no and between these two descriptions of Christian speech— This suggests that full of grace and seasoned with salt refer to basically the same thing. They're not two separate things. The salt we are to add to our speech is grace. Put simply, we are to season our words with graciousness. In different words, Peter says pretty much the same thing in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer, but do this with gentleness and respect. We might have expected Peter to insist on boldness of speech. Instead, he qualifies his call to defend the faith by emphasising that believers must be courteous in replying to their critics. This is good advice. When you're defending yourself or the faith, it's tempting to get hot-headed, impatient, and resort to insulting your critic's point of view. I hope that's not just me. Instead, Peter says we're to speak in a godly fashion. Gentleness here does not mean weakness or reticence. It means the absence of all arrogance or pushiness. To be gentle in biblical usage is to moderate your power for the sake of others. Even when you can think of a slam-dunk reply that would crush your unbelieving critic, Peter insists we speak gently. Respect is literally the word fear, phobos, in Greek. But when used of human relationships, it usually refers to giving due honour to someone. Now, at times, I admit, it may seem that our critics don't deserve any honour, Their criticisms may seem unusually harsh or ill-founded. But it's precisely at times like these that we must remind ourselves that all men and women, no matter how belligerent they are, bear the image of God. They thus deserve our respect. I'm reminded of a log in my own eye in this respect. Just a few weeks ago, I got into a very forthright conversation with a successful, self-made businessman. He was telling me all the things that were wrong with Christianity. Science had apparently disproved the Bible. The church was deeply corrupt. And Christianity, he said, had only gained its success around the world through violence and oppression. Well, I was fairly calm and logical about the first two claims. But for some reason, the last one really got me going. I've read quite a bit about the early expansion of Christianity, and yet nothing I said to this bloke made him budge. "'I don't believe you,' he said. "'Lots of books have proven how the church converted the nations with the sword.'" At that point, I stupidly turned the corner from calmly logical to outright arrogant. I raised my voice, I reminded him I had a couple of degrees in this stuff— and I tried to embarrass him about his lack of knowledge on the subject. Graciousness, gentleness, and respect were nowhere to be found. Even as the words left my mouth, I could almost hear the Apostle Peter whispering in my ear, Give an answer, but do this with gentleness and respect. See, I was trying to win the argument for my own sake, rather than the person for Christ's sake. I suspect I achieved neither. I reckon many of us sometimes feel a little inadequate to answer all of the difficult questions thrown at Christians today. The problem of suffering, the fate of those who don't know about Christ, the reliability of the Bible, science versus God, and the list goes on and on and on do think it's important to try and read up a little about all this stuff, but it's okay not to have all the flash answers. A response which lacks cleverness but is kind and courteous will often prove more valuable to your questioner than one that is just clever. Often the manner of our replies says as much about the kind of God we believe in as the content does. After all, it's the content of our faith in the God of grace that is meant to fashion the manner of our speaking. Evangelism training programs that focus on the doctrines of sin, atonement and grace, without also stressing the need to be gentle, respectful and gracious, are incomplete I still think it's worth doing these kinds of courses and if your church is offering some kind of evangelism or apologetic training, go for it. Just remember that when Peter and Paul urged believers to speak up for Christ, they insisted that this be done in a gracious, gentle and respectful manner. I can hardly promote the Lord of love by speaking to others without love. 1032. Thanks for listening.